Hey, hey, I'm Jimmy Bullard, and this is me old muck of Venus. We're back together, son. How are you? Hey, Bully, great to be back working with you. What are we doing here, though? We're starting a football club in podcast form. The only thing we know, it's called FC Bullard. After that, it's all up for grabs. So, we haven't got any players, we haven't got a kit, we haven't got a club badge, we haven't got a stadium. Correct. FC Bullard. Welcome to the club. This is a crowd podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Chloe Garth Crooks. To be more like Chloe, go to patreon.com, search for Joe Marler Show and become an official sponsor today. You're listening to The Marler Show. It isn't on the radio. It's a podcast, fool. You listen anywhere you go. The Joe Marler Show. Hang on. <laughs> you don't even have to read the script for this first bit. It's just, just you and me talking nonsense. Yeah, I know, but I'm just getting my thing, my eggs in a in a row. <laughs> Get your ducks in a row, or are you getting some eggs in the same basket? There's eggs in a row. Ducks Is it not row. eggs in a row? <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck off. Well, all right, you think that's a piss take? Like you still put eggs in a row, don't you? How do you how how are your eggs presented in your house? They are. They come pre-presented in two rows in the egg box, and then <laughs> what do you do with them? Uh, I break them. What? Just there and then? When you, as soon as you buy them, you just break them. <laughs> you and I'm meant to be the moron. <laughs> Joe, we've got a little bit of a problem before we start today because... Incontinence. We can't call our guest by their actual name because they're sort of undercover on our show. What name shall we give this person? You, you've got the spy back, have you? The spy that Steve lost, you've got remember? back. It's funny you should say the spy who Steve lost because that almost sounds like a James Bond film. And Joe, today's guest... Cool. Shirley Bassey impression is James Bond next week is James Bond this week is Diamonds are forever forever is that Nelson Mandela it was Nelson Mandela <laughs> Shirley Bassey's biggest I was actually hit. going for Sean Connery Sean, you're doing Sean Connery Diamonds they're forever you know he still sounds like Nelson hello <laughs> <laughs> okay so our diamond expert that we've managed to track down needs to be called something else suggestions off the top of my head uh steve leonardo no there was a reason why i said steve (laughs) (laughs) why okay tom why steve well joe you enjoy playing rugby actually don't enjoy playing rugby joe you play rugby imagine if you went to a club based in the northwest of the country and their former director of rugby greeted you Borthwick is a type of diamond, is it? further north. Listen, listen, put together the name I gave you. You mean Stuart. Do you mean Stuart? (laughs) You spit Leeds, Stuart Lancaster. Put together the first name I gave you, which was? Steve. And the topic of today's show? Expert. (laughs) Very good. All right, I'm playing the Pratt. Don't worry about it. I got it. It's Steve Diamond. I don't know about Steve. What about uh, Denny? Denny. Denny. No, Denny. How are you spelling it? D, it doesn't matter. D-A-N-N-Y. Okay. Denny Archer. Oh, okay, yeah. From Blood, Blood Diamond. Diamond, yeah. T-I-A, eh? Yeah. Get the zebra off the core. <laughs> you know, you think my accents are bad. 
I know he. I know full well he doesn't listen, which is a, is a real shame. But Leonardo Caprio's accent in Blood Diamond is dog shit, and in my opinion, I don't want to get done for defamation of character or something like that. But that's just an opinion. So, what are we going with, Daniel Steve? What do you want to be called? Yeah. So I think Steve, considering I'm a sail fan, so let's go Steve Diamond. Sail, sail, sail away, sail away, sail away. Loads of things are on sale today. <laughs> okay. This is the worst start we've ever done to this show. I, I actually think it's the best. Um, so, fuck you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, do you own any diamonds? Have you ever bought any diamonds? I have. I I'm not sure whether I can talk about it. Oh, we're doing a podcast where we can't call each other by our proper names. No, we can. I think. Oh, we can. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. That's, I'm yeah, not... I can call you by your names, right? Because yes. I'm planning on that. Okay, yeah, fine. Fine. <laughs> um, but, you know, we're talking about stories that potentially we're worried about talking about. And do I own diamonds? Uh, I bought diamonds. I don't think I own them anymore because I, I gave them to my my beloved wife, having keistered them from <laughs> South Africa. Or that's certainly what it felt like because I got so scared bringing them back to this country, even though I had all the correct paperwork, I did everything right with taxes and all that lot, I still felt like a criminal. Did you, where did you purchase them? South Africa. Sud- right. Because I'd actually uh, organised for the boys on the tour, uh, towards the end of the tour, you know, a diamond guy to come in and we set up a secret room um, and guys would go in there one by one. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> it out loud. Is it definitely to do with diamonds, this? Yeah, so I organised that because I wanted to sort out diamond. Apparently that's what you do when you go to South Africa. You just sort out diamonds. So, like, boys were coming back and forth, like, all right, you dip in, dip out. Like, oh, God, the way I'm <laughs> describing it is fucking dreadful. Who bought the biggest diamond? Oh, I can't disclose that. I genuinely can't disclose that. Right, just, right, don't don't say it out loud, but mouth their name to me. you got you got to move your lips. <laughs> Who say again? Let's go back to the South Africa bit. Yeah, dodgy. South- yeah, so anyway, I ended up getting a couple of diamonds. Apparently they're cheaper. Or so. That's what, the, funnily enough, that's what the diamond guy said. Oh, yeah. Even though it didn't seem that way. And then it often crossed my mind, why am I doing this? Why am I actually buying a diamond for my wife as a gift? Like, wh- why, why? Why do I have to buy a a diamond for engagement why do i have to buy it as a push present or like, wh- wh- where's that all come from have you bought murph a diamond before no but is you... that why you're not married because <laughs> you don't want to buy the diamond <laughs> i'm in some ways i'm slightly disappointed that you have bought daisy a diamond because i thought joe that you and i were slightly differently wired when it comes to the idea of marriage you um had absolutely no ceremony or fatherly farfar about your marriage to daisy and I've gone even further and still haven't married Murph. So the fact that you've done something conventional on the way to a very unconventional wedding in some ways uh, upsets me. Right, Steve, I, I, I would like to know what is the most expensive diamond you've ever had to commute? No, you've ever had to compute? What's the word? I don't, what are you trying to say? Travel? Move. Transport? Move. Transport. Fuck! So there's there'll be two, right? So you've got an item of jewellery worth seventy million pounds. Pardon? An item How of jewellery worth seventy million pounds. It was seven red diamonds um, in one piece of jewellery. And I don't know if you know Joe, but coloured diamonds are extra valuable. 
Look at your what face. What do you mean, yes. coloured diamonds? So I only heard that there's like a diamond that is yellowy, and then the other one is pink. Right. Yeah. So you've got of diamonds that get mined. Right. About thirty percent of them are used for jewellery. Seventy percent of them, which are basically piss colour, uh, are used in drills because a diamond. Seventy percent are used in drills. Yes. It's the hardest thing on the planet, is a diamond. The only thing that can scratch a diamond or break a diamond is another diamond. Harder than Ellis Gange? It's harder than Ellis Gange, and it's funny you should mention that, because there's a hardness scale, right? A diamond is a 10 out of 10 on the Moa scale. The Moa scale is how hard an an object is. How is Moa? M-O-H-S, like Moe's, like Moe's from Simpsons. Okay, And I was thinking to myself, like, grading... <laughs> Mo from Simpson. <laughs> I was yeah. like, I was grading uh, rugby players on hardness. Ah, right? yes. And you've mentioned Ellis Gange, and I was thinking about Haskell, for example. No, because yeah, he's well, uh, not even in the conversation. Well, he, he was high up there for That me. is horseshit. However, yeah. however, when I realised that he could be so impacted by water, <laughs> that put him quite low down the most scale, water, water, one. But initially, he was quite high up. But Ellis Gange would be up there, definitely. Yeah. Where would you, it's a one to ten scale, is it? One to ten. Where is Joe? Uh, nine. Mm. Ten doesn't exist. What do you mean it's a 1 to 10 scale and then 10 doesn't exist? In general, in life, 10 doesn't exist except a diamond on the most scale. So if you were saying how good was that person out of 10, 10 doesn't exist, so 9. So basically you're a 10, Joe. Uh-huh. What well I mate. Mean. You look so smug. What a way to, you know. Oh, look at your face. Smother me up. No, love a bit, lather me up. What's <laughs> Butter me up. Butter me up. You're you're lathering me up with butter, and I don't know how I feel about it. So that was 70 million. That was 70 million, yeah, because so red diamonds at the time were the most valuable colour, right? So a diamond's worth whatever someone will pay for it, okay? Because you can't go, there's 17,000 red diamonds out there, so what's the average price? The price is, because they're so rare, whatever someone will pay for it. And at the time, red diamonds were the most rare, so that item was valued at 70 million uh, dollars. What was the other one? It's a bit of artwork, which I can't name, <gasps> that was um, worth more towards 100 million US, 75 million pounds at the time. Artwork? Yes. Made mainly artwork, of diamonds? Yes. It's a fucking about diamonds episode. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> <laughs> he's not transported a piece of artwork. <laughs> It might be. It's made of steel. No, but it might be mainly made of something else with one massive diamond. Oh. What I'm doing, Joe, I'm looking at you as if we can work We're out trying to what dig this thing what it is. is. Well, let me, let me just list some items, and we won't say it, but we will know. Me and you will yeah, know. The okay. listeners won't know, but we'll know by his body language. Like, and also the fact that you're holding a knife um, <laughs> to him to actually tell us. And I'll say these items that are diamond encrusted or... You know, diamond covered. You know, remember that episode you said that uh, flammable and inflammable yes. mean the same? <laughs> yeah. You may have been right, but how about this? You know, encrusted yeah. and crusted yeah. mean the same. This is the second time you've looked smoked today. <laughs> Just saying, sort of sad that's the research I've done on it. <laughs> right, here we go. Was it an old school Game Boy? What do you think, Tom? Because he, like Steve, can't actually say. Cause... I would say no. Why would you? Why would you crust or encrust an an old school Game Boy with diamonds? Well, because it looks fucking cool. Why would you crust or encrust anything with diamonds? Because it looks cool and it shows off your wealth. That's how it is. The twenty five grand that would cost you that Game Boy. So it wasn't that one. 
Okay, what about a toilet? Was it a toilet? That must be quite hard. It wasn't a toilet. No. Wouldn't have fitted in your Why backpack. Why would you want to sit on a toilet made of the hardest substance in, on the planet? Uh, well, there's some people that need toilets that are made of the hardest substance on the planet. Oh, I've always... Have you? I have actually recently broken my toilet lid. Yeah, I was bathing the kids and then I just sat down on the toilet lid and it snapped and the kids were just like... <laughs> <gasps> I, was like oh, I don't think Daisy's noticed yet, so shit, I've just dropped myself in it. So it's not a toilet. What about a bra? Was it a brassiere? It was not. So it wasn't a Mercedes... That was an option, was it? Mercedes, $48 million. What? Prince Al-Walid of Saudi Arabia commissioned a car covered in diamonds for $48 million. Yowza. Okay. I, I, I don't want to keep pushing Steve on this, to be honest, because I'm starting to... I can feel the tension in the room change. So it was extraordinarily expensive. Can we assume, Steve, that you could carry it? Yes, so I carried it. You carried it. Um, were you on a commercial flight? Yes. Oh. And my colleague had another item worth a not dissimilar amount, so we had two of us together. Did you do it in one of those suitcases? And I'm sure, Joe, you would have liked one of these suitcases slash briefcases, which was handcuffed to you. Like Boris the Blade in Snatch. So that, that's, that, that's the common misconception, is you guys are picturing, you know, from the movie, someone in a suit with handcuffs and a briefcase... Nah, because the idea is to be like as incognito as possible. So you don't want to fly economy just because it's too risky with such value. But flying Good first, excuse. Well yeah, played. exactly. Thank yep. you, Air Miles. But flying um, first obviously puts you on the radar. So you just fly business and you try and just wear jeans and a t-shirt off to see a family member or whatever in another country. And in your rucksack is crazy. In value. your rucksack, yeah. So does that not go off in airport security? So yes, it does. But you arrange special clearance, <gasps> so you don't How? have the same clearance. You forewarn them that you're coming through as a secure carrier and your colleagues will come with you with the paperwork you need a lot of paperwork for these items and you'll go through a separate clearance is it a back it's just a standard backpack standard backpack but inside the item is specially packed did you at any point take the backpack off let's say you needed to go to the toilet before you got on the plane <sighs> did you go to cubicle and just pop the backpack on the floor so it was that it was absolutely chaotic i won't lie it, we'd planned it beautifully but the particular artist flew with us so he knew we were on this flight and he knew what we looked like. So when we got on the flight and I've put my item in the overhead locker and my colleagues put his and we sat down and... <laughs> he, like, don't fucking lob it just in like that. Like, you've, got, you've got this artist turning around being like, everything okay? Like oh. thumbs up and I'm just like, this guy next to me has noticed him and staring at me and I'm like, making my eyes roll being like... Pff first class drunk wanker don't know (laughs) ignore that guy and he's like keeps turning around like smiling at me and i'm like i don't know this guy the guy i'm next to you like stands up and starts like rooting around the overhead locker like pushing my back and i'm like eventually i have to say something i'm like excuse me are you okay he's like looking at me like you patronizing bastard i'm absolutely fine i'm just going in the overhead locker eventually decides to sit down and i spend the whole flight just like sweating it was petrifying when you got to the other side because I'm thinking, Joe, there might be a heist opportunity here. Like, yes, the paperwork's been done. Someone slipped how, someone else. What? How are you getting a heist in a plane? No, when he's got off the plane. Oh. You know, and you go through security and yeah. then you're there waiting for a taxi. Yeah. Steve. So this is where it got even worse, actually. So when we landed, we'd arranged a couple of special cars to be there to take us off. First class off-boarded first. This particular artist, who had a few too many took the vehicles without us well you and his entourage 
And I'm then stood there with my colleague wanting to get on one of those transit lorries. Now, like, you've got to get on these with other passengers. I'm like, no, no, I can't. I'm a special courier. I, I, I can't. I need to wait for another vehicle. <laughs> I can't. I'm a special courier. Yeah, hang on. This is where it's backfired that you need to look incognito. If you're in a suit and, like, dark glasses and you had a, a suitcase with the the chain on and yep. a fake hand and microphone in your ear, then people are taking you seriously. But in your jeans and T-shirt and your backpack, they're Correct. like, fuck off, mate, you're here to travel. Exactly, <laughs> I'm here to travel. But eventually the pilot came down with the stewardess, like, look, we're now going on the next van. If you don't go on it, you will get arrested. <laughs> so I'm just like, right, okay. So the next van comes along and it's just me and my colleague get on it. We're airside. We could just be whisked off anywhere and flown anywhere. It was a disaster. Luckily, we went to the right place, and I think I found the only licensed hotel that would serve us um, once we eventually delivered the items. It was petrifying. I really, really want to be a diamond smuggler. I want to know, Steve, about diamond heists. Yeah. Are there more heists than we think, or are there far fewer? There's not many, because they're so publicised, you'd know about them. Um, so there's a few I mean you guys might have seen a few years ago the Brussels heist where they stole 50 million dollars of diamonds in about 20 minutes Um, how? two fake obviously police vans crashed through a fence and drove up to it it was an inside job so it was quite well planned they drove up to a plane which was being loaded with diamonds which get flown in the valuable cargo hold and within yeah I think about 15 minutes they loaded 50 bags of diamonds onto the truck and drove off were they caught? Uh, they were caught, the diamonds were not. They got into, back into the mix. How does that make you feel, Joe? Did you want them to succeed or fail? Oh, uh, I... Usually I like, I, I want them to succeed in those stories. Um, especially, what was, what was the group of old men? Was that the Hatton Garden ones? Hatton Garden yeah. heist? Yeah. That was a load of old men, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Like, I know, although I'm basing it on watching the film, but... Yeah. I wanted them to succeed and just because they're old men and they had the kahunas to go and actually do it because they were bored. Yeah. And I wanted them to then just live their lives in there. And then the fact they got caught, I got really upset. But in terms of the Brussels people, I'm not sure what they're like. Were they old? No. Fuck them then. No. <laughs> nah, no. They shouldn't be able to get away Professional with Professional criminal gang, yeah, we don't support that. Yeah. No, we don't no. support that no. unless they're old. <laughs> unless they're old, then it's fine, yeah. Yeah, because like, they're only, you know, it's play like, on, isn't it? Well, they, were old, they were strong enough to drill through a wall still, those old gentlemen on Hatton Garden, weren't they? Because so, they did drill through a wall and climb through it, so... Yeah, but I bet they had one of those diamond drills. Yeah, very like good. It, you like that? Yeah. So what is the... If that was unsuccessful, the Brussels one... What was the most expensive, successful diamond heist? It was one at an exhibition uh, in Basel World about 10 years ago where $9.5 million worth of diamonds were stolen by some criminals, obviously, um, who distracted the salesman with some models and managed to unscrew some showcases and heist away three stones worth a combined $9.5 million. Models as in human models yeah so that's quite a common technique is to distract with either good looking males or female staff members whilst the criminals go about their business um steve are you familiar with the wrong trousers the um wallace and gromit animated film no uh, i've heard of this that will make the next bit difficult they basically a penguin this none of this will make sense a penguin tries to steal a diamond Right. I, yeah you're looking at me with the exact expression i expected when i began this explanation um, don't worry about the penguin or the wrong trousers, although I do see it. 
the diamond is protected in this thing by loads of those like red laser beams that enter that cross over. You know, yeah. sort Joe, don't you? Do they exist in real life? Yes. The laser beams. Yeah. So you have to like learn choreographed dances to beat them. If you want to beat them, yeah. Fuck. If Joe wanted to steal a diamond in that case, Steve, what would Joe's best option be? Oh, there was a case, actually, which where we had, there was, um, and the claim was paid, there was someone who used to cut and polish diamonds, which I'm guessing you don't know much about, but that's where... What do you mean cut and polish them? So a diamond obviously initiates as rough, right? It looks like a bit of ugly rock. I'd, say, I'd say it looks like a, a, a small, rough piece of carbon that is bonded together by over, four, four, over four billions other, of years. Over a billion yeah, years, yeah, approximately one and a half to three and a half billion years ago, um, using five to six uh, gigapascals of pressure to form. Yeah, um, <laughs> roughly 100 just, miles below the and Earth's surface. And, and just to give you an idea of what that sort of pressure is, if you picture 80 elephants, so 80 of them, all stacked up on top of each other, yeah? How are they balancing on each other? Not important in this question. Please continue, sorry. <laughs> so there was a, yeah, there was a guy who used to cut and polish diamonds and he grew his hair extra long, slicked it back and pretends to be a rocker. So when he was doing it, he'd be banging his head up and down like Led Zeppelin, collecting tiny diamond particles in his hair and then going home, washing it out into a tiny sieve and collecting the extract. What? He gathered together quite a lot. I think it's about $200,000. Fucking hell. Like, so your beard would have to go nuts, Joe, just to get that, wouldn't it? <laughs> hang on. So he, he was cutting it. So he was polishing on a wheel, so tiny bits of diamond would be flying off, like tiny, tiny bits. And while he was doing that, he'd be rocking out. Headbanging. Um, headbanging, collecting it in his hair, tiny bits of it, and going home and washing it out. Did each additional headbang not dislodge the previous lodged bits of diamond? Uh, well, I think he greased it up quite a lot. I so, see. Yeah, he was pretty well prepared. That's a good story. Why do you have to pernickety it? <laughs> With the grease. <laughs> obviously, obviously, he had greasy hair. So the diamond stuck? Yeah, obviously. Are you saying that would be the best way for Joe to do it? Um, yeah, because quite a lot of... I don't know how good Joe is with his hands. Um can you see that my uh, middle finger is the the tip of it is actually facing the wrong way? It should be straight, but it's actually pointing. At, I'd say what angle is that? Like four different angles. Well, yeah, thanks. Yeah. Uh, and that gives you a mark. And the fact that they're shaking, um, and every morning I wake up in pain in my hands, um, tells you that I am fucking good with my hands. <laughs> Very good, very Steady good. Steady as a rock. Especially in the rock. But That's vibrating really quickly. Because <laughs> another main way of stealing them is like sleight of hand, so doing tricks. So quickly taking a fake diamond and a real diamond when you're looking at them and switching them. Do you mean a... By fake diamond, do you mean a moissanite? Or cubic zirconia, but yeah. No, no, you mean moissanite. Definitely yeah? moissanite. Tell me more, Joe. So a moissanite is, is, a, uh, is, a, is a fake diamond... That looks just like a diamond, but it's not a di- di- diamond. And it, do you know what it's worth? Tell me. Fuck all. <laughs> That's a quote from Snatch. Any Snatch lovers will appreciate that. Sorry, I, personal joke to my head. 
sleight of hand's not going to work for me. Not Eating for it me. might. That, Can you eat a diamond, or would that cut up your insides? Because they're like it cut up your insides. Let's try it. Now? I should have brought some. Really, yeah. I? Sorry, mate. I know guests normally bring things. I should have really brought. Yeah, some what have you bought actually? Um, no diamonds. No diamonds. That I'm going to tell one. you about. Maybe at the end. Joe, this is amazing, but we do need to have a little break for some adverts, and here it comes now. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death Ready. of a Film Star. And Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher... And Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. Shrink the Box is back for a brand new season. This is the podcast where we put our favourite fictional TV characters into therapy. Join me, Ben Bailey-Smith, and our brand new psychotherapist, Namone Metaxas. Hi, Ben. Yes, this season we're going to be putting the likes of Tommy from Peaky Blinders, Cersei from Game of Thrones on the couch to learn why their behaviour creates so much drama. So make sure you press the follow button to get new episodes as soon as they land on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Shrink the Box is a Sony Music Entertainment original podcast. Right, it's that time in the pod where we thank our lovely Patreons, the official sponsors of the Joe Marla Show. Long tall Sally Wenham. Three names in one, it's Niels von Hinton Reed. That's four names. Four names in one, it's Niels von Hinton Reed. John, shall he, shan't he? Sheldrake. Claire Blacko or Blako? Joshua Batsy Batterton. Jim Wood, would you? Darren Dazzler Greenfield. Why does it always rain on him? It's Jack Travis. To be more like Sally, Niels, John, Claire, Joshua, Jim, Darren and Jack, go to patreon.com, search for Joe Marler Show and grow the show. Well, there you go. Those were the ads. Steve, as someone who's made a living in the diamond trade, uh, what is your single best diamond story? <laughs> um, so I worked on a exhibitions. These are diamond and jewellery exhibitions. In these exhibitions, you've got a couple of billions worth of diamonds in booths. And instead of booths selling hoovers, you've got diamonds with showcases with safes with CCTV. When these diamonds come to be unpacked, they're unpacked in quite a frantic rush. And we've had a couple of cases where whilst unpacking... Some clients have thrown diamonds in the bin, 50 to 100K's worth of value. Oh, my God. And uh, they get to the end of the show and they're like, oh, I'm missing a diamond. I'm like, oh, where is it? Don't know. We watch the CCTV back and you see them just unpacking frantically and you see, unfortunately, some diamonds wrapped in bubble that they just tossed in the bin. That I pray a cleaner got, because uh, if not, they're just gone. Oh, imagine that, Joe. That, see, that's a nice story. Yeah. It's like the old men from Hatton Garden, that, yeah. but with even less with violence or criminality. Um, what is the markup, Steve? Let's say Joe and I were in a diamond mine 
which would be a slightly strange place for us to be, Joe. And we found a diamond. Um, and then we fast-forwarded to a diamond expert shop in Antwerp. Mm -hmm. How much more money would that diamond be going for? Uh, probably about three or four hundred percent. And then, if you go from the diamond shop in Antwerp, which would be a wholesale diamond dealer, go to a Bond Street jeweler here, add another couple of hundred percent. Why? Branding, marketing, I don't know. People like playing for the box. This is ridiculous. This is like... So if you wanted to go and buy a stone, go and look at a stone on Bond Street. And, and what then, am I looking for? So look for an engagement ring that you wouldn't be buying, but just have a look at a standard engagement ring, say 5, 10K, 15K, I don't know what. Yeah. Then go to Hatton Garden and see what roughly the same size and quality of diamond would cost in Hatton Garden without the branding, without the marketing, the advertising, and you'll save 50%. 50%. Are you, are you sure it's the branding and not the fact that I've just gone and met one of the old geezers that stole loads of diamonds and he's given me a, a knockoff price? Could be that. Could be that, which is why paperwork's very important. You don't want to get mugged off, do you? When we're looking at buying a diamond, Tom, which you apparently are never going to do because, mm, possibly. A, you're a tight arse. Um, B, by the sounds of it, you don't really love Murph enough. <laughs> um, and three... This podcast isn't making us anywhere near as much money as we'd hoped, so we can't actually afford to buy a diamond. So, But if you were a gazillionaire and you wanted it, do you know the four things to look out for? Is this the four C's, Joe? It is, It is, Tom. Let's talk Hit about me. It. What are the four C's? The four C's, Joe, are colour, cut, clarity, and carat. 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 Now, I always thought it was carat, but it is carat. And what is karat? I have no idea what a karat is. It's it's weight, isn't it? Yeah, it's the size, yeah, is exactly. It? And just what that leads me nicely onto, the biggest diamond ever found. Do you know it? I would guess that it's the Koh-i-Noor, which is in the Crown Jewels and is also generally a curry house in most suburban towns. So you did, Tom, you said the Koh-i-Noor, did you? Yeah, have I said that right or wrong? You've said that right, but it's the wrong answer. Oh. The the right answer is the... Cullinan. Cullinan, or the Cullinan, or the Cullinan. Cullinan. See, Eugene, I get you singing in the back of the van. And he's like, oh, what is The Cullinan, how big is it? It's called the Cullinan, and it's uh, 3,100... <laughs> 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 nope. Yeah, it's immediately lose, like, you nope. Okay. The Cullinan, it is 3,106.75 carats or carat. Do you say carats or carat? carat? I say carats. But. Okay, carats. So, What it, does that mean in layman's terms, in terms of its weight? Is it? Could you pick it up? Yes, definitely. Of course, it would fit in your fist. Oh. Fucking hell, mate. Were you, were you thinking like a boulder size? How many did you say? 3,000 or something? Yeah, carrots, 3,100 3, carrots. So you can hold it still, yeah. You can okay. still hold it, mate. It's like it's like a giant, you know... Uh, have, you, have you ever eaten a heart from a horse? <laughs> this is sounding very Game of Thrones. Well, like Khaleesi. Yeah, have you ever eaten a horse heart? No. No? Ludicrous. What about a cow heart? No. Have you ever eaten any heart? No. Okay, right. So picture eating a horse heart... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you can't because I've never seen one. I've never. Okay, well, it looks like it's size of 
two fists put together put together okay and you're holding that that's the size of the cullinan um and although it's massive it's not the most expensive can you take a guess at what what the cullinan was worth is worth uh, I'm going to say, so it was 70 million was the artwork that Steve referred to, but that sounds like it was multiple diamonds. I'm going to say one big diamond is worth more than lots of little ones. Joe, I'm going to say it was worth 84 million English pounds. Steve, any idea? But question, are you talking about it as the original large oh, stone or when it was good. broken down? Here we go. Here we go. So what was that fact you want to add to my fact? So it was it was broken down into 100 small and 9 large. Three yep. of the 9 largest are in the crown jewels. Really? There you go. I meant as a whole, but as a whole, when when before it got cut down, um, it was worth $2 billion. $2 billion? $2 billion. Who gets that $2 billion, Steve? Well, most of these mines are part owned by the government in the location it's found. So it would be the government and the particular diamond house, whether it's De Beers, Alaros, or whoever owns the mine would get their share. So the well. bloke who has got his pick and shovel, which I'm sure he doesn't have a pick and shovel, but let's say he's got a pick and shovel. Or woman. Or woman. Yep. Who who digs the Cullinan out. What slice of the pie are they getting? Uh, unfortunately, I don't know for sure, but I would assume none. <gasps> I know he's partially joke about you know the thing but the more digging excuse the pun the more digging i did in the diamond industry yeah the dirtier it got and i don't like it i don't like it i don't i don't see the point first of all the fact that we've been convinced by marketing that diamonds are what you should buy to profess your love is to buy a diamond mm-hmm. by spending three months worth, which apparently is a made-up figure by the Japanese years ago when they were convinced to spend two months worth on diamonds. It's bollocks. Yep. Like De Beers create this massive um, book of how to rule the world using diamonds, which is stockpiling all the diamonds. Then That's then, all it says in the book. No, my my book, my seven-step book, actually, is... Please help with the timing of it, otherwise it looks really... Okay, fine. My seven-step book from the De Beers. Number one. Control the supply. Two. Limit the supply. Three. Create demand. Four. Link spending to success. Five. Define the value. A bit feeble. Six. Use price as marketing. Like that one. And seven. If you can't beat them, join them. Was that? What does that mean? <laughs> Is that just general <laughs> advice? No. So that one's interesting because how are, how are, how are diamonds made? Like how are diamonds traditionally made? Well, under high pressure, high temperature, underneath the ground, about hundred miles underneath. So they, they've they've all come from. Under Earth, about 25 million years ago, there was these random explosions that shot all these diamonds up to the the surface. A lot of them just evaporated because of the seismic areas that they were in. But the non-seismic areas, these diamonds were just fucking everywhere, as in to, to go and mine. A lot in Russia, which is actually... People think all the diamonds come from Africa, don't they? But yep. Russia's the biggest supplier of diamonds, Tom, you know? Did you know that? No. 
Fucking hell, this, the smuggery is fucking appalling for me today, isn't it? It's because I got well into diamonds. I had to try and justify why I've spent fuck knows how much on these stupid things that just sit on people's fingers. Um, so that, that, so it's from all the pressure of that lot. But then I was like, surely we can just make them now. Surely we, we make them. Yeah. And we do. There's, there's two different main scientific ways to do it, which is the... So you've got lab-grown diamonds with a high-pressure, high-temperature, yeah, which is the main way, uh, and they can be grown. Grown? Grown. Yeah. Wow. So it takes the, about a month to do yeah. that. Right? A month? Why, why don't people just grow them all the time? They've started. Are they better? Can you tell the difference? Yeah, so they are literally identical to look at, to weigh. If you gave it to a standard gemologist, they wouldn't be able to tell the difference. So that bit where I said, if you can't beat them, join them, when people decided to start making them, De Beers were like, oh shit, hang on, we've lost control of this now. We've lost control of being able to dictate all the prices to everyone. Right, let's make them ourselves. And then what, what we'll do, we'll sell them dirt cheap as well. Even though they're exactly the same as the ones that you find under the earth, we'll sell them dirt cheap to convince the consumer to go, it's better to buy the precious ones that we've stockpiled over hundreds of years Whoa. and bring the fucking price down of all these these man, man-made ones. Ludicrous. De Beers, I'm sorry, they can get fucked. Steve? Uh, De Beers and Alarossa, both of them, right? So they've got 40% of the market each and they're both dominating it. It's the definition of a monopoly. Um, I've got a philosophical question for you, Steve. So if diamond is the hardest thing in the world and only diamond can cut diamond, how the hell did they cut the first diamond? Mm. Ah, that's a good question. But, but why, when they cut the first diamond, why can't they still use two diamonds? Because diamonds would have come out of the mine not one at a time. So they still had two diamonds when they came out in rough. So they can still use one diamond. So what you're saying is it's not like the chicken and the egg because one diamond does not give birth to the second diamond, thus rendering my smug point meaningless. (laughs) Joe, what have you got next? I've got a phone call from Southampton uh, that I just need to take quickly. Okay, can we put on a speakerphone? Hey, is that Lee? Hey, Lee, Lee, sorry, mate. I was going to drop you an email. Um... Uh, no, no. Uh, I've got five minutes. What, what, when will I have five minutes? About half an hour. I'll have five minutes in about half hour. Right. Can you give me a call back? Yeah, of course, mate. On this number? Yeah. Yeah, legend. Cheers, Lee. Take care, mate. Bye. Yeah. Trying really hard to not listen to the conversation, but it... It's <laughs> nice to have got that sorted, Joe, anyway. Sorry, bought yeah. a new car, and I? Have you? Yeah. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, before your phone rang, Joe, I was actually asking you to get me out of the chicken and egg predicament yeah and i was gonna do that with obviously it's not like the chicken and egg is it because no i know i've realized that but you were meant to help me out rather than rather than underline the foolishness of the comment i made yeah you were meant to take it somewhere else thus Uh, sparing my blushes yeah steve i would like to ask you about how diamonds are cut all right now it makes sense that you could cut a diamond if it was the first diamond to be cut but if Joe were holding a diamond in his fist, can you just do a fist shape for me, please, Joe? Um, and that was the raw diamond. How much smaller would the cut diamond be? So you'd turn the rough diamond into multiple diamonds. You? So you'd use 3D imaging to work out how many polished diamonds you can get from one rough diamond. 
and then that's why the round brilliant cut is the more expensive because obviously the round shape you're going to get less of them than if you do like the different cuts like heart shape marquee right. cut and you can basically play tetris with a rough diamond so you want to turn that rough diamond into yeah as many as you can like the Kalinian one which became what 109 technically so these different cuts have you seen the names of the different cuts joe i'm going to run you through a few of them the baguette self-explanatory shaped like a sandwich shaped shape like a french sandwich you can only buy them in france the marquise any idea what shape that is it's uh like a roof type angle and then you've got two you've got two poles coming off the front and then two poles coming down the thing it's actually quite a unique shape of diamond the princess so it's, it's shaped like elsa heart so you know have you ever seen a horse mm-hmm. have you ever seen a horse's heart all the time so it's shaped like that the briolette that is a um little bit of so it's a round it's a round shape that smells like cheese and you can rent it out to people and finally the pear pretty self-explanatory there's two of them um steve that was one two three four five six different cuts of those six different cuts how many did joe accurately identify um not many joe i'm afraid uh but it, great suggestions we should actually get some of them changed i think especially the so marquee, get any, the marquee any right the marquee one would I be think the marquee one would make yeah. real good sense actually. i think that'd be class if could you put those in order of expense please for cut so we've got baguette marquise princess heart briolette and pear so it's going to vary a lot the problem you're going to get this all the time from diamond dealers oh it varies it varies because of color cut etc etc so round brilliant would stereotypically be the most expensive i just find it really fascinating that they're they're worth so much money like why why is that because essentially you just buy diamonds to however they're presented whether it's on a watch on a necklace on a ring or what earrings you're buying them to then just show other people that you're really rich i don't get it basically but the idea is you try and buy them as an investment so you'd buy a super rare one or you'd find a very special one with made by a special jeweler worn by someone special and then sell it in 10 years time for more because the value will go up so people buy them mainly as investments mm. are they also quite let's say you were worried about the situation in your country and you might have to flee at some stage is a diamond quite a handy way of storing your wealth yes and that's goes back to when obviously like certain people were quite persecuted they couldn't own sheep and land because you've suddenly to disappear in the night uh, you can do that whereas you could grab a bag of diamonds so, Joe, rather than buy a new car, mm. perhaps you should be investing in a couple of cheeky little diamonds. Yeah, but they're not going to get me to work every day, are they? But you've already got a car. Yeah, but it guzzles fuel, mate. That's why I'm getting a polo. You're not getting a polo. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Okay. A polo. Get me back and forth from work. Yeah, okay. Auto trader. Sense. Yeah. You know? Lee. Just spoke to Lee. Sort me out. Got to pick out from Southampton. What colour? Black. It's got racing stripes on it. Is it really? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Steve, can I finish by asking you um, if you yourself own any diamonds? Uh, Just an engagement ring. So you don't have any diamonds, Tom? No. Murph's got no diamonds. Not for me. You fucking horrible, nasty piece of shit. You've gone from saying you hate the diamond trade and it makes absolutely no sense to upbraiding me for not participating in the very trade that you profess to hate. 
Yeah, mainly because the reason you're not participating in the said trade I hate is not because of the said bollocks that goes on with it. It's because you're too tight to buy one. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I'm going to pose a question to you then, Joe. Why should you profess slash show your love for someone with a sparkly stone when you can look them in the eye and tell them? Now that I've said it all out loud, there's part of me that wants to go back home and just take the rings off of Daisy's fingers. Is and that, say, if you do that, film it because I'd like to see it. But she's, I, I know her so well, I know her so well, that she definitely feels the same if I explain to her like the bollocks that is the diamond industry. Still film this. Oh, still film it, yeah. okay. And she'll definitely just go, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. Give definitely. Up, give up these two fucking massive diamonds with a little pink, what's the pink one called in the middle? In the middle? Yeah, I, I, got, a, I got a pink one in the middle. Um, Sapphire? Is it a sapphire? I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's pink, pink. Yeah, pink would be diamond. Sapphire would be uh, blue. Ruby red. Oh, no, no this green. is a pink thing. Yeah. It's not a diamond. Oh. Joe, uh, would you like to thank our guest? Oh, you phone Daisy. Yeah. It's important. I think it's a really important thing. Mugwump, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah good. Uh, just a quick one. You know on your hand... You know that ring you've got, one of the the one with the two stuff. What's the pink one in the middle called? Uh, it's a sapphire. Can you get pink sapphires? It's very rare. Yeah, they're very rare. Is it a pink? Is it a pink sapphire? Mm, don't know. She doesn't know. She doesn't even know what's on her finger. Days. So what's the point of it? Days. If Joe comes back and he takes all your jewelry off your fingers, how are you feeling? Well, for what purpose? What's the purpose? Ethical ethical like now that i've done digging into the diamond world like no. i think you're you're totally against ethics as well because you're a vegetarian okay but you bought me these rings yeah i know so that's why i should take it back okay well if they're not ethical that would be fine she said if they're not ethical that'll be fine what's a woman you're a fabulous woman we'll do that tonight shall we <laughs> Am I putting them on buy swap sale? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yeah, okay. But in all seriousness. Are you just saying this to me because you need some money? <laughs> <laughs> I need some money to buy that polo. <laughs> Brilliant. Love you. Love you. <laughs> I told you she'd be alright with it. Wow. She's a keeper. Fuck it, we'll see how that long <laughs> I take the ring while she's sleeping. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> uh, Steve, thank you so much. I know it's not your real name, it's really disrespectful for me to actually thank you using a fake name, but that's the parameters we set out from the start. So, Steve, not Steve, thank you for coming on our show and putting up with Tom. Great, thanks for having me, guys. Great to meet you. You didn't say, I thought you were going to call him a diamond geezer. If we had enough shit jokes and you finish it off with that. Go on. <laughs> Go on then. Well, oh, Go on. It's, too, and, yeah, it's too late. Thank and, you, Steve. And Tom, do you want to say thank you or are you just going to be rude? Thank you, Steve. It's been lovely to meet you. No, I've just teed you up. I'm to not do doing your that joke. because you, you've made a face. All right. Try it now. You're still making a face. You've just got your eyes shut. <laughs> Steve, you've been a right fucking geezer. A diamond geezer. Oh! Do you think we were over-aggressive with Steve at any point there, Joe, on reflection? 
I don't think we. Uh, did we knock him? Did he not? Did we knock his industry? Did we? Uh, Little bit. Well, we questioned it. There was. It's important to ask. We held it to the light, didn't we? Yeah, we didn't. Oh my god. Yeah, and there were so many different prisms, Fa- facets that just reflected from his answers, and I have far more clarity now. And we really cut to the truth sometimes on the trickier subjects. That's quite good. And I just want to eat carrots now. I feel like a bunny rabbit. It's a shame that we've hit our stride so late in the podcast, um, because we are at the end, Joe. If you want to support the show, as always, search for Joe Marler Show on Patreon. If you'd like another podcast to listen to before the next episode of Joe Marler Show comes out, why not try the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club? G is trying to build the world's biggest cycling club from scratch. Along the way, he's chatting to people like Sir Chris Hoy, Sir Paul Smith, Laura Kenny, and the show is back for a new season. You can learn all the secrets on the Pro Tour and be part of the world's biggest cycling club. Just search for Geraint Thomas Cycling Club in all your usual podcast places. What do you look like on a bike, Joe? Can't ride one. At all? How can you half ride a bike? (laughs) Could you ride it to the end of your street? Don't have a street. Can you swim? Yes. How how long can this go on for? Shame. (laughs) Bye-bye. Crowd Network. A place where you belong. Sports Social Podcast Network.